HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following program has been brought to you by Koshan 555. On January 23rd in New York, Koshan 555 kicks off its 10-city national culinary competition promoting heritage breed pigs and breed diversity. The tasting event will challenge five chefs, including Brad Farmery, Peter Hoffman, Bill Telepan, George Mendez, and Sean Rembold, to prepare a menu created from five heritage breed pigs nose to tail. Pig-loving Epicureans will have a chance to sample these dishes along with wines from five different small wineries, as well as the opportunity to help select the king or queen of pork. In addition, guests will be treated to whole pig breakdown demonstrations, followed by a whole roasted heritage breed pig and dessert. General admission tickets start at $125 per person and are available at www.koshan555.com. That's www.koshan555.com. Hey, and welcome to the Food Scene on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, sitting here today with Jono Pandolfi and Will Gadara. Um, Jono Pandolfi is a maestro of plateware, of tableware. And Will, his ex-bandmate from Hydrant, the preeminent ska band from Westchester in the mid to late 90s. Kidding. Will is the GM of 11 Madison Park, the four-starred 11... Madison Park restaurant in Manhattan. Um, so I tease a little bit. You guys were in a ska band in Westchester. I was in the ska band in Westchester during high school. But Jono and Will have history. They know each other from growing up, but they were reacquainted um, about, what, 10 years ago? Not quite 10. Um, MoMA renovation. When was that? Oh. Oh, four, right? Yeah, I was part of the, the opening team for the Museum of Modern Art when we were opening the restaurants there. and So, yeah, that was, I guess, oh, three in advance of the oh, four opening uh, when Jono and I reconnected because 
you know, within the museum environment, especially in the fifth floor cafe, which was right opposite where all the, you know, the, the most significant part of the collection is located. We were trying to figure out how to do something unique and, and feature artists and pieces. And uh, Jono had already been doing some amazing stuff. So I reached out to him to see if he was interested in, in collaborating on some stuff. Cool. And at that time, Jono, you were working at the Penn Studios. Yes, I was working at a ceramics studio. Actually, I wasn't quite at Penn South at the time. I, at the time Will and I started the conversation about this first project, um, I really didn't have any ceramics studio at my fingertips. Yeah. Um, I was kind of new in the city. and um, But you had gone to school and educated yourself in... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, was al- I had already been teaching ceramics for years. Uh, it was just I had kind of new in the city, didn't have a ceramics studio at my disposal. Um, but Will and I had this conversation going, and during that process, uh, I started a new job managing a studio in Chelsea, yes, at Penn South, uh, kind of a, uh, a co-op over in Chelsea. Does Penn South still exist? Penn South does still exist. Yeah. yeah. And it's, well, it's housing, affordable housing, right? It's affordable housing. It's, it's an amazing co-op. It was built by the uh, Garment Workers Union in the, I want to say, 50s. Um, but uh, they've got their own ceramic studio, and for four years I was kind of their resident ceramic artist. I ran the studio, and it was my first place to work with clay in the city. And so, bringing it back to Will, um, we <clears throat> he was working on this new restaurant, kind of getting it equipped, getting it set up and staffed. And you know, I kind of threw it out there. I volunteered to do the work for free. <laughs> I don't know. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Things have changed a lot <laughs> since then. Jono <laughs> is expensive now. <laughs> well, yeah, I've got, got a baby now. Yeah. I've got a whole a life, kind of a real life. But um, no, it started because we had the entire tabletop done with, you know, featuring some pretty cool designers between Alessi and Itala and all these these different, you know, high-end designers and this was at terrace five this is at terrace yeah. five and we needed a bud vase essentially we needed something to bring it all together so Jono kind of took a piece of everything that was on the tabletop and connected with our florist and they met and talked and and he spit out like 15 different awesome designs yeah and we picked one of those um but the, it ended up kind of beginning a process Jono and i never really lost touch we've always yeah been friends we played music and then always just, wanted to form the band back together we're, we've yeah. been trying to get the band back together for <laughs> we've had a couple kind of false we've we've, we've, we've played played some music, music or, yeah. yeah we make music there over are a couple every, guitars in here if you guys just want to jam at the end maybe, of the, maybe show. At the, yeah. end of the show <laughs> <laughs> but but so then you know we just start going out for beers and saying all right what what can we design what can we do and, and we've done a lot of stuff since then yeah well i mean so terrace five you did these little bud vases. Um, we did bud vases. We did chocolate dishes. We actually had one disastrous collaboration where we, we used chopsticks for one. It dish. wasn't disastrous. No, it wasn't disastrous. <laughs> it wasn't disastrous. But it is funny. It's funny what happened. <laughs> we, we we came up with this idea to have like these monolithic porcelain right. blocks where the chopsticks kind of just stuck down into them, and that's yeah. how we'd place them we- on the table. Have you seen? You've seen them. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like a pincushion idea, but exactly much bigger and much right more solid and much more um, inappropriate because it reminds people <laughs> of death. Right? Yeah, I much mean. more culturally offensive. What we what we found out is in in Japanese culture, you never stick chopsticks directly into your food sticking out because it's basically like a middle finger. And yeah, so we did that for about six months. Well, this, this was pre wiki, so how are you supposed to know? Exactly, there was no such thing as Wikipedia, so <laughs> it's it's really not my fault. Yeah. 
Um, but no, oh, yeah, we so Will was kind of that that design actually. So many people loved it. A few people kind of brought that up, but it actually, it actually kind of, it, they sold it at the um, the uh, MoMA Design Store for a while. Yeah, we never actually stopped using it. Yeah. No, they never <laughs> stopped using it, it at all. It didn't serve it to your Japanese customers um, exactly. Yeah. But it did. It was the kind of birth of of the process that we still we still do, which is just collaborative design. Um, I think at that time, I, I I worked with Will and the chef the chefs he was working with at the time and we realized that there weren't many or any ceramic artists around um especially in the new york area who were marketing themselves to chefs yeah and to restaurant companies to say oh if you guys are interested in doing something really unique maybe i can help you do that yeah and then from there you just went down a couple floors to the modern and uh did some work with chef gabriel carruther did some work with the modern never quite finished any designs that they made it onto their table unfortunately also did several things for cafe too yeah um and some non-ceramic things some wood things number stands for their tables so um that's the cool part about working with chano is he's not limited to just ceramics yeah you have an idea he's gonna figure out how to do it yeah and, and it just makes the entire when you're trying to innovate when you're trying to pursue something new or different it's helpful to, in the design process, at the very least, not feel the sense of boundary. Yeah. So, like, if you think of it like Patrick Swayze, it's not just Ghost. It's, like, all his movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, For all no. the Swayze fans out yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, he, you have this, uh, you know, background in production design, more so than just ceramics. Uh, at that time, you were working for, uh, what was it, Cambridge Silk? So- silversmith or um at what time uh like 2004 when you were uh, starting no. to first reacquaint uh, yourself with that, and collaborate in 04 i was kind of more working for myself doing freelance um managing some some ceramic studios doing yeah. a little teaching here and there i wasn't really working as a product designer yeah. yet at the time yet didn't really know anything about product design to be honest i was really a potter that yeah. was my whole perspective was as a you know someone who came up in a clay studio learning how to throw understanding a little bit about manufacturing but not much but yeah. really only because of my own curiosity that i know anything about that so then how did you learn i mean was it on the job with will or was it through formal education or through a job that you started understanding more about product design and definitely a job um like i said i mean i, I started out as a potter started doing some work with will doing some kind of more what seem like high profile work working collaboratively with the MoMA and other, you know, interesting restaurants. Um, then I ended up, I did some freelance design work for crate and barrel. Yeah. Uh, that was at Kona collection. Kona, right. It was a dinnerware. Yeah. And those were kind of like these black, uh, ridge stoneware things. Exactly. That we're supposed to what, uh, represent the, you know, the thrower's wheel. Like um, the, not represent, yeah, but yeah. maybe remind you of, yeah, of like that centrifuge action. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I did that work, but that work was really just potter's work as well. I was really hand-making the samples, and then they were getting sent over to their factory. It wasn't until actually after that, closer to 07, I took a job at uh, Dransfield and Ross. Yes. Did some product design for them, high-end housewares, home accessories, things like that. I started to learn more about working with factories overseas, sourcing, um, spec drawings, mechanical drawings, really the more the trade side of it the craft of actually product design. I came from the craft of clay, but yeah. product design itself is its own 
craft with its own set of tools and terminology and everything. So eventually I did learn more about that, and then I wound up at Cambridge Silversmiths uh, designing flatware full-time for almost two years. Yeah. Um, from around 08 until about six months or eight months ago. Do you feel like you had the innovation at Cambridge Silversmith that you did when you worked with Will? I mean, you guys were thinking not necessarily, you know, outside of the box at first, but we'll later, you know, divulge some of uh, the stuff you've done for EMP and for Daniel Hume and, you know, um, Michael Anthony at Gramercy. Um, you know, forks and knives are forks and knives. Yeah. Did you feel like you were designing anything special at that point um well i did have some chance and i know we've we've kind of talked about this and i know you're kind of leading me in a direction here but no um it i definitely that that job was excellent because it really forced me to learn so much about um designing flatware stainless steel flatware is extremely demanding in terms of um, designing a product and specifying it to a manufacturer overseas. So I was really designing really boring stuff. Yeah. But it was really worth it because um, my skills as a product designer just, you know, more than doubled or tripled. Or I, I have so much more understanding about all kinds of different uh, processes uh, with metals manufacturing, different kinds of prototyping, all kinds of different CAD, rapid prototyping. It really, it was almost like a whole design education yeah. um, that I just got for free, to be honest. I got Our paid. design meetings have gotten much more boring. Since I know, I was about to job. say, I think I actually blanked out for a second. <laughs> I, I, just like, I don't know what any of that crap that. is. I'm so sorry. I'm I know. kidding, I know what it is. Pottery is much more interesting. Yeah. We should really get back to that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's actually get back to the collaboration, you know, uh, the modern, and then Will, who now works at 11 Madison Park, uh, presented you or presented Chef uh, Danny Hume with the idea of working with John O. And how did that? You know, I think at 11 Madison, one of the things that we are always trying to do is just do good forward thinking. Try to think of innovative ways to serve food, innovative ways to to provide an experience at the table. And one of the things we realized early on, 11 Madison has come a long way in the last five years. And in the beginning, there was a lot of low-hanging fruit. You could make a lot of changes. Yeah. That, they were reasonably accessible. But with time, we, we started to realize that in order to do anything truly new, we needed not only to innovate the way in which we were doing it, but to innovate the stuff that we were using to, to do it. And it's it's just a really incredible blessing when you have someone like Jono who you can just get together with and brainstorm. So it started out without any idea of what we wanted to try to accomplish. It started with us, me and Daniel, just going out to his studio, which yeah. is something we've done consistently ever since. And Maybe bring a six pack of beer and spend an afternoon, essentially just a six pack. <laughs> really? Say, yeah. Come on, you work at Eleven Madison Park. <laughs> a little champagne, please. Yeah, yeah, uh, vintage, vintage Krug. Yeah, uh, and just kind of playing with clay for yeah. a long time. And the first thing we came up with, uh, which. In, in truth, it was me and Daniel coming up with a lot of ridiculous ideas, and then Jono came back and said, what about this? Yeah. And that was the pillow plate that's become a big part of our repertoire. Yeah. And Jono, would you explain uh, what the pillow plate is? The pillow plate is, um, I mean, for someone who's listening over the radio, the easiest way, it's just, it's a beautiful little seven-inch square pillow that, it's porcelain, so it, it it's it's a hard material. It looks very soft. It looks like a flat pillow that's pushed down in the middle. Um, so it's you know they use it as a dessert plate, but um, well to kind of you know evoke the idea of jewelry being presented on a pillow when yeah. you go to when you go to a jewelry yeah. shop. 
So one of the first um, desserts that you served on a plate, I believe, was a cassis sorbet with lemon meringue and champagne foam. I mean, light uh, aerated Yeah, the, things. the Cure Royale. So yeah. it, was, it was a dessert intended to kind of reproduce the cocktail. So. Yeah. And so this pillow idea came, but how was it fabricated? I know you slip cast. And right. Um, the p- bringing the, the pillow came to life in a, in a really just a great way. It was... I had been working on several ideas for Will and Daniel, just trying to kind of capture this thing, this feeling that we had been kind of discussing and talking about, just the whole idea of, like they were saying, just the light airiness of the food. Um, to me, and I've dined at 11 Madison Park a few times, um, you know, the just the feel that, I hate to say that the food is very precious, but... You get that feeling, and um, I mean, you're eating it off a pillow. Well, yeah, well, but but this is even before the pillow plate. This is more just kind of me trying to get a feel for what I, you know, what I'm experiencing when I'm at that restaurant and the the way I'm reacting to the food. Um, we worked on several ideas, but eventually, I was going back and forth with just different forms, shapes, other ways of elevating the food up off the tabletop, and um, it just kind of came to me. Well, I was, I was just, I had a, you know, several ideas kind of in the works, and all of a sudden it just came to me that if I took a Ziploc bag and I filled it up with plaster of Paris, um, as the plaster was hardening and I got all the air bubbles out, if I laid that bag on the table and I just indented the top the way I wanted it to be when it was finished and I just let it harden, I would wind up with a perfectly hard and a perfectly usable model of a really nice pillow that I, you know, I thought chef would, would love. Yeah. How did you indent the top? Um, I just put a, put a weight on it, a clay, yeah. just a chunk of clay. Yeah. yeah. And, um, once that was hard and then I was able to create a slip casting mold and then I can create, you know, numerous porcelain, ver- uh, just uh, however many porcelain pieces I wanted. Wait, this whole time I thought you used a tennis ball. No, it wasn't a tennis ball. In the, in, the, in the dining room for the past three years, I've been saying that we made those using Ziploc bags, tennis balls, and a six-pack of beer. Not necessarily in that order. Start with a beer. Yeah. No, it wasn't a tennis um, Basically, the chef didn't even... I, I, I had this idea, and I just knew it was like so perfect that I didn't even tell Will or tell Chef. I just said, you know what? I'm just going to do this. I'm going to make the model, make the mold, and go the whole nine yards and get the finished piece to show him. Because I knew when I put down this thing in front of him, I knew it, he would just look at it and just love it. And that's exactly what happened. So that was great. Excellent. Well, we're going to take a quick little break. Um, and I'm glad everyone now knows pillows aren't just for sleeping upon. Um, hope you're enjoying. You've been listening to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com.
Welcome back to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with Jono Pandolfi of Jono Pandolfi Designs, plateware, flatware, everythingware, pillows, and Will Gadara, uh, the GM of Eleven Madsen Park and Co-Conspirator. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about a couple more of these signature pieces that you've made for chefs around the city. Another Union Square hospitality uh, cook, Michael Anthony at Gramercy Tavern. Uh, you had the playful pillow, but then you had almost more mundane kind of you know, uh, uh, materials surfacing at Gramercy, like okay. a waffle plate right. or like an egg crate idea. And, um, the egg crate he, he was a fan of, definitely. Um, and that's just, it's a really, a kind of came out of the same place that, uh, the pillow plate came out of, which is really just thinking of ways to make the food not, I mean, not pop, but it's, it's an interesting way to be presented something, you know, if people are really used to the same thing over and over when it comes to plates. So if I can put something in front of, um, if I can the, for instance, what you're mentioning is the the egg crate plate, um, which is, if you look at it, it's it's like an egg crate. It's it's really it's not flat. It's as far from flat as it can be. It's it's all these little bumps and and valleys. And uh, I just it's another example of something I just kind of saw literally probably in a dumpster, or I was just walking around my studio thinking, oh, what what's going to look good for this project, and just just reacting to a texture or something that I see, and you just. Um, you know, sometimes great things come from that. Yeah. But I like what you said about, you know, presenting the same old plate, like getting out of that habit. Right. And people often associate, obviously, an egg crate with eggs. And for Michael to then put, I think it was souffléed potatoes with black olives in an egg crate, it, you know, mixes up a little bit. And then there was also like a wavy plate with accordion folds and a waffle dish. Um, but nothing was carrying a food that you'd necessarily expect in sure. what I at least associate with like office supply wares or like egg crates right. or like accordion folds. Or I guess with, with Michael it, I feel like working with him I, I loved working with him because I think he was willing to and, and it has to do with the restaurant obviously as well but much more interested in embracing more of kind of a rustic aesthetic um, and that there were more hand built pieces um, which the egg crates were and the, the wrinkled accordion fold plates were much more embracing the plasticity of clay. And they were more, I would say, the pillow plate's very whimsical and playful, but the stuff with that I did with Michael, um, was it was more playful in terms of how I was actually constructing it. Cool. It was more m- me playing with clay. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are up to... Something no good, huh? New project. More more playful, whimsical things. Well, I think there's probably been about a dozen things that we've started. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think to, to come up with really cool ideas, you end up having to ditch about 90% of the stuff you come up with. Yeah. Um, and so we've, we've never stopped working on stuff, but now we have a couple of really fun things happening. One is about six months ago when we renovated the restaurant, we reopened. We reopened with a, a totally new approach to coffee service. Uh, we worked with Intelligentsia, and now we do tableside siphons and Chemex Brewers, and it, it's a really, it's a really cool coffee program now. About a month after that, we started looking at our tea program and saying, okay, we need to to evolve this program so that it has the same level of excellence and 
and fun as the coffee program does. So to that end, we decided to, to really explore and pursue the ideas of like matcha and oolong and pu'er doing those tableside. But we didn't want to do it in too classic a way. We always try to find some balance between classic and modern. So we figured if we took the, the, the service execution and approached it in a very authentic, classic way, but then evolved the things they were being served in to an extent, that it could be a really fun approach. So obviously the first person we called was Jono. For, for me, Jono's always made these ridiculous like Alice in Wonderland teapots. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've ever seen. Oh yeah, them. you're doing a line for anthropology. Yes, exactly. Willy nilly teapots, which is what Will's. They actually named it after you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so we called Jono, and and this actually starts in just a few weeks. We're making the last pieces right now, and you know we we need to go through hundreds of hours of training to make sure we really That's know what we're PMP doing. PMP exclusive. Totally. I mean, yeah. yeah. So so Jono has for the past month been working on these lines. Yeah, I mean this. Um, conversation when I got pulled into it I was super excited because really as long as I've ever been doing ceramics teapots have always been my number one thing I, I just do you love have a bumper sticker that says that I don't have a bumper <laughs> sticker but to be honest I was just talking with uh, my wife last night hi Erica um, about getting a teapot or license plate but it's not going to happen it's just it's been it's been something yeah. I've had in mind for a while um, you just said that on the air <laughs> um yeah, that has nothing to do with the teapot party, please. <laughs> um, t- anyways, back on, back on to the uh, teapots. So I was really excited, um, and Will also is working with Chris Day, who I've, I've worked with before, and he's incredibly knowledgeable uh, when it comes to tea. I actually don't know much about tea. I just love making teapots, and I love working on, on them and, and examining how they function and also understanding better how they function. So... Getting to talk to Chris Day and getting in this project with Eleven Madison Park was just awesome, um, and <clears throat> it was an opportunity to really develop some really unique new shapes um, and really tailor them exactly to the needs of the restaurant. And that's um, it's intimidating because when you think about who goes to Eleven Madison Park, um, these are really demanding connoisseur level, you know, people. And so to think that I'm actually creating handmade work, um, that they're going to be interacting with soap in such a personal way, um, is, is really intimidating, but it's also a really great challenge. And it's, it's the kind of challenge that I really like. So. So how did you change the shapes and ideas and interactions of tea service through your ceramics? Um, well, some shapes were fairly traditional, like we're doing green tea matcha, and so we looked at kind of what's more typical tea bowl shapes and talk about the materials and the shapes a little bit. Obviously, we, there's not a ton of room to experiment, but one interesting thing about the collection is it, it's done in a really dark stoneware body, an almost really dark chocolate color, and we're leaving the exterior of all the pieces unglazed. Um, the interiors are glazed white, but it creates another nice level of tactile interaction with the pieces and that the people who are using this tea service um, and who are drinking tea are going to be really feeling the clay in a really personal way. Awesome. So, Will, you actually put these pieces on the table. It's not just a poor table side and then 
Yeah, I mean, each, you know, with pu'er or oolong, you use these these gaiwans, essentially, to brew the tea. And then and, and what we do is we'll do a few different steepings of the same tea leaves and then kind of line them up in front of the guests. So there's certain pieces that people do have a chance to interact with and others that they don't. So, you know, the matcha bowls, the gaiwans, are very traditional in their shape, maybe not in the, the materials used, but the teapots, uh, the... The sharing pitchers, the cooling pitchers are all very Jono-esque with, yeah. with a much more modern sensibility. Do you describe those things to your diners as Jono-esque? I think it would be great verbiage <laughs> to introduce into we, the EMP lexicon. We definitely find ourselves talking about Jono a lot in the dining room. Yeah. I mean, people are into this kind of stuff and they want to know who makes you know, the things. And um, So Jono is definitely a celebrity yeah. at a live medicine park. So you said the word shared and it kind of keyed off the idea of communal dining only because you guys had mentioned that you're working on another new project uh, inclusive of that yeah so the tea service is like a couple weeks away we're going to start doing this and and we're really excited about it and i think our staff is nearly at a point where we can execute all the services that the next thing which is very much in the conceptual phase is the idea of communal dining um daniel and i were just in tokyo We, we took over the restaurant at the park hyatt for a week as a part of a promotion and of the the many different meals we had we we had shabu shabu um yes, perfect on the day like this which <laughs> you know and 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 that entire experience was was pretty inspiring there, there was something about that that we wanted to take away from it and i say conceptual because right now i couldn't even come close to telling you what it's actually going to be but yeah. the idea of designing something that goes in the middle of the table. So in a, an eight-course menu where every guest receives their own plate, there's a course or maybe a course that really ends up extending to two or three courses where people are actually reaching into the middle of the table. And you know, a lot of people, I, I think that a dining experience is about people around a table having dinner together and, and the idea of really bringing them together in an environment where you might not expect yeah. to be sharing your food with others is fun and it's whimsical and um, is kind of the heart of what we try to do. So the first thing we did is said, okay, if we're going to do this, we need to come up with a different way to pursue it. So we're at the phase right now where Jono is just whipping out drawings and pieces and and, and we're having a lot of fun with cool. it. Cool. And what kind of new shapes and ideas of carriers are you I, I'm not. This honestly, we're really... We haven't even really gotten to sketching yet. It's yeah. more just... It's funny because the conversation starts with... Before you even get to sketches, it's it's talking about the experience and, and what that entails. And so um, we, we were on the way over here. We were actually talking about kind of what the pieces would look like. Some of them might need to withstand a flame. So that's a big consideration. Yeah. Um, but we were looking at fondue pots and, and trying to... Raclette, chafing dishes. Totally. Kind of, yeah. Like, and I think, you know, the idea of classic versus modern, anything that we do needs to be inspired by something that exists. Yeah. Because I think for people to really connect with an experience, there needs to be some sense of familiarity to it. Yeah. So is there a possibility of seeing a newfangled Lazy Susan at 11 Madison Park well, in the future? We were we were talking about Lazy Susan <laughs> yeah. the other day as well. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. I, yeah I, I'm into that. Something that turns so ball it's, bearings. It's fun. You know, essentially, I think... Jono makes it possible for us to to do things that are truly unique. You, yeah. you can't come up with a really new idea and then serve it using the same stuff that everyone else is using. Yeah. And that's what's cool about it. Yeah, because a lot of your plateware now is from what com- companies? 
I mean, a lot of the plates we use, to be honest, are are Bernadeau. Yeah. And we essentially at this point we use really two plates, and they're just the very very simple rimless plates. Um, so unless we're making a statement with the plate, yeah, we actually try to do the exact opposite, which is to make no statement with the plate and let the design of the food. Uh, kind of do the talking. Yeah. So, I mean, you keep on mentioning Daniel uh, Hume, who is the chef at 11 Madison Park. It's a very intricate part of these talks as well. So, it's oh, yeah. not something that, you know, Jono's or Daniel's work would just, dis- you know, distract from one another, that it will cohese somehow. Yeah. Daniel is as much of an involved chef as, as is possible. He's, he's amazing. And he, he gets so into every single element of the process and the creative process and He's just not here because one of us needed to stay at the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I heard that place needs to run. <laughs> it's it's interesting working with chefs because I think their creative process is it. it there's parallels in what they do to what I do, um, and especially it's 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 a hands-on process, and so I think um, it's fun working with them because they see what I do and they they either they've done it and they love it or they haven't done it. They'll take to it right away, and um, it just designing plates and making plates and making you know ceramic tabletop items um is just something that really goes hand in hand with designing food making food and serving food and i think there's just a lot of similarity there and it's it's been a fun thing to sort of riff on when i've worked with you know different people excellent so i you well you have plenty of new projects that you're working on i was about to say so what else do you have going on (laughs) Yeah, I think I think we're good for a little while. Yeah, finish but, the tea service and see what comes after that. But this, you know, we do have a ride back to to Manhattan after this, so something will probably come yeah. out of it. So uh, start start thinking, lazy Susans, uh, um, large casserole dishes, uh, chafing dishes, all these things it might not be too far in the future at Eleven Madison Park, uh, the ever evolving, ever changing restaurant um, yeah, absolutely so that awesome and you know we have these guitars here i'm hoping to hear some hydrant or maybe we'll save that <laughs> for think, maybe next time okay maybe next, next time, time. we'll Just come back out <laughs> we'll come report on the group service and the tea service and then we'll we'll have something prepared we'll have something ready wonderful uh the only other suggestion i have is maybe even move it a step further and do uh, a temporal dinner where he's actually jono's actually throwing and firing as quickly as people are order firing <laughs> so i don't know if that can be done i mean how how long does it take I'm to not, fire in i'm a not can- gonna commit to that at all I, <laughs> just a, just a one night thing it's it takes much too long things have to get dry it yeah. takes days it's, he's not it's, good it's, enough yet <laughs> all right all right well, we'll see well, well see. you judge for yourself go to jonopendolfi.com um stop by 11 madison park see will um Maybe I'll see you on the other side of a lazy Susan soon. Thank you both for coming in to uh, the food scene. Thank you so much. Thanks yeah. a lot. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you've been listening to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Shout out to our executive producer, Jack Inslee. And I hope to have you back here Tuesday, 3 p.m. Stay warm. <laughs>